Uh, so, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and just starting in uh, verse 6. And it says, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So just as a, a preface here to this book, of 1 Corinthians, obviously this is a church that was founded by Paul. Um, and in the city of Corinth, is it was actually one of the most populous cities uh, in the Roman Empire at the time. It was one of the top five cities there. And where it was located, is it's there in Greece, uh, kind of in, a, in the lower section there. Um, so there was a lot of sailors passing through uh, that area. And then also, I mean, there was a lot, of, a lot of temples, a lot of temple worship going on there. So if, so if you can kind of combine those two things together, you can kind of picture just how vile of a city Corinth was. Um, to even to the point to where the city of Corinth, it became kind of like a slang term that it was like, you know, the, to Corinthianize was to, like to become vile. Um, and even in, all, in several of the plays around that time, they always portrayed the, the, Corinths, the Corinthians as drunkards and just immoral people. So, so you, you picture that part, the, the vileness there. But also, again, where were they located at? They were located in, in Greece which, you know, Greek. So you have all this Greek knowledge, this, you know, this, the Greek culture just completely surrounding them and feeding that to them. So it's no wonder here that Paul, he labors here in these first three books dealing with the wisdom of the world, okay? And, and, and it's, it's amazing to think about this. It, if, if you do like a word search um, in, you know, dealing with knowledge, dealing with wisdom, uh, fool, foolishness, one-third of the time that, that it's used in the New Testament is in 1 Corinthians. One-third. Like wisdom, dealing with wisdom. Like constantly he's talking about this. Talking about the foolishness of the world, the wisdom of God, 
the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. It's, it's a constant thing. And this, so this is what he's battling. Okay? And so let's go ahead and let's begin here in this section. And I, I particularly want to uh, focus around verse 12. And it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Um, so, so just starting it off here, it says, Now we have received. Now, in this, in this section, I think Paul, when he's talking, I think chiefly he is actually referencing the apostles in this section here. Um, if you take a look at, in verse 6, it says, Yet we do speak wisdom. In verse 7, it says, But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. And in verse 13, it says, Which things we also speak. So he's talking about himself and the apostles speaking this wisdom. What, what wisdom? This wisdom directly from God. See, God gave the apostles a special revelation, you know, a special word from God, which we get the scripture. But see, I, I don't want to just stop there um, and, and just, just say, well, this was just specifically just for the apostles. No, it's, it also is applicable for us here today. Not, I'm not saying that you know, I can sit down and pen the very word of God. I'm not saying that. But I, I, I kind of take this, this scripture kind of similar to, um, uh, to the verse there in the upper room. You know, multiple times Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and particularly in John 16, 13, he says, but, he, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Well, who is, who is Jesus talking to specifically? I mean, he was talking to his disciples, but it's also applicable to us. It, it, you know, these, these words were written down to encourage us. And so in the same way, these, these words that Paul penned, yes, he's talking about the apostles, but it's also for the, you know, for the Corinthians, in which we'll get into here shortly. So let's, let's think about this here. Now, we have received. So you have received. That's an amazing thing. You, you have received something. Upon conversion, you have received the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. You know, not, not just receiving gifts of salvation, which, you know, it's, it's incomprehensible. You can't describe that. But on top of that, he has given us the Holy Spirit. So that, that's a wonderful thing. Um, in Romans 8 9, it says, But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So again, this is something for everybody. All Christians have the Spirit of God in some measure. And it's also interesting to note, too, in this book of Corinthians. I mean, if you read Corinthians, it, it's kind of a strange book in a way. Um, there, there's multiple times where he mentions things about the Corinthians that you just kind of scratch your head on. Like, really? You know, why, why are they dealing with this thing? Um, but, but if you listen to the words of Paul directed towards them, it's, 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 it's encouraging. You know, he's in, he's in a way, he's in, still encouraged with them, and he still believes that they are in the faith. And twice, twice in the book of Corinthians, he says, you are temples of what? Of God and in, in, in temples of the Holy Spirit, you see? So in, in talking about the Corinthians, even though, you know, there in chapter 3 it talks about the, you know, like the carnality there in the church, he still says, you are temples, which 
and, and you know, sometimes when you read this, you know, when you read the scripture, you have to place yourself back in that time, back in that section, and sometimes you can kind of understand things a little bit more too. I mean, imagine this. You know, there in Corinth, you know, all, all around them, you know, they had temples of Aphrodite, temples of Poseidon, Apollo, Hermes, Venus Fortuna, Isis, Demeter, and a temple one, dated, uh, one dedicated to all the gods or pantheon. It's like all around them, temples, 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 you know, and, and you see the effects of it. You know, the temple of Aphrodite had like a thousand prostitutes just coming out. And so it's like you, you see it's all around the effects of that, the, the temple worship all around you. And here's what Paul says. You, you are the temple. You are the temple of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit within you. Within you is the living God. So that, I mean, that, that, that should shock you in a way if you really think about that. You know, you today are the spirit, or not the spirit, you, you are the temple of the living God. So he says, now we have received not the spirit of the world. So as I mentioned previously about the whole thing of wisdom and, and knowledge and foolishness, I, I think in this section here, the spirit of the world is not necessarily like demonic forces in the world, although it, it is mentioned in you know, other places, the spirit of the world referencing to that. But I think in this section here, it's actually dealing with worldly wisdom. You know, specifically, you know, you, you, know, you have there, again, just the, the Greek culture, you know. The, the, you know, it's just infiltrated, you know, with the minds of the world, you know. Um, and so he says, he says, you have not received this spirit. Um, upon salvation, God did not give us the spirit of the world. Um, and what, what is this, this worldly wisdom? What is the spirit of the world? I mean, really, ultimately, it's anything that appeals to the fallen nature, to your fallen nature. Um, in, verse, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So how do you define worldly wisdom? What is worldly wisdom? Anything that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Is that not? You know, what does the world promote? It promotes self. It promotes me, I, I. It's all about me. That, that's what worldly wisdom is. You can sum it all up in that. Um, and, and even, too, if you look through the book of Corinthians, you can see the effects of worldly wisdom upon the Corinthians. Um, I'm just going to read some of these here. Um, here in, um, in chapter 3, you have petty divisions. I am of Apollos. I am of Paul. You hear the eyes in that. These petty, these silly divisions here. Um, immorality in, in 1 Corinthians 5, just dealing with this just sick immorality, and even in chapter 6 also. Um, and also in chapter 6, you have lawsuits between believers. Um, in chapter 8, boastful use of liberty. You know, just people just doing things, not thinking about their brethren and what could happen to them. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, drunkenness and overeating during their meetings. You know, eating, you know, as they gather together, you know, taking the Lord's Supper, people getting drunk, people eating all the bread, eating everything, and, and not leaving some for other people. You see that? This worldly wisdom, this worldliness in them? I, me, I, I want more to drink. I want more, not thinking about other people. 
Um, and I, I kind of wonder also, just in dealing with some of the gifts, you know, he spent multiple chapters dealing with some of these gifts and talking about the, the, the disorder in the meetings, you know. You, know, you have a gift of tongues, you know, you, you speak it out, and this other person also, and it's, it's like a contest, you see. You know, who, who's the loudest? Who's, you know, um, who has the best speech or whoever has the most wisdom? It, it was just a competition. And so you also wonder also there in, in chapter 13, you know, why did he pen that chapter in love, you know, dealing with love? You know, that's opposite of worldly wisdom. You know, it's completely opposite. Um, so, so wisdom of the world is just completely filled up with selfish attitude. And this is what God saved us from. Uh, so he didn't give us the spirit of the world, but what? It says, but the spirit who is from God. And I, I think also in this, this, because in this context here, he's talking a lot about the spirit of the world dealing with wisdom. I think also in that same, the same side, he's particularly thinking about that we have been given the spirit of wisdom from God, like the Holy Spirit of wisdom from God. Um, and so here you have, um, you have just a, um, a couple verses prior to that, you know, starting there in verse 10. It says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except for the Spirit of God. So he who searches all things, even the depths of God. I'm going to read a little quote here from a guy named Kenneth Woost. It says, only the individual knows what is in his heart of hearts. So only you know what's truly in your heart of hearts. Uh, to his fellow man, he is inscrutable. You don't know. I have absolutely no clue what you're thinking about right now. I, I, I can't comprehend that. I, there's no way for me to know what you truly are thinking. Just so, Paul says logic will lead us to the conclusion that if a man is inscrutable to his fellow man, so God must be inscrutable to man. And just as only the individual person knows what is right, or excuse me, knows what is in his own heart, so only God knows what is in his own heart. Therefore, if man finds it impossible through scientific investigation and human reason to discover the inner secrets of his fellow man, it is clear that he cannot find out the mind of God by the same methods. The only way in which a person can come to know the inner heart life of another person is to have that person uncover the secrets of his inner life to him. It likewise follows that the only way in which a person can know the mind of God is to have God uncover his thoughts to man. Thus, Paul has demonstrated to these Greeks the absolute need of a revelation from God if we are to know what is in his heart. The first step, therefore, in the transmission of truth from the heart of God to the heart of the believer is revelation, the act of God in the Holy Spirit uncovering the things in the heart of God to the Bible writers, thus imparting the truth of Scripture to them. So he says again, the uncovering, the uncovering of things in the heart 
in the deep things of God, in the heart of God, uh, he uncovered these things in greater measure to the Bible writers, thus imparting the truth of the Scripture to them. But, so that's the first part. But obviously the second part is this, is here we have the Scriptures. I mean, how often do you just read over the Scriptures? <laughs> you know, you, you read it and you just kind of just glaze over it. Like we need the Holy Spirit to come and to unfold, unfold it further, to, to reveal, um, to uncover the things of God's heart to us through the Scripture. Um, so you have here, it says that the Spirit searches all things. I mean, if you just take it at the surface level there, somebody searching for something is often one that has absolutely no clue where it's at, right? But, but that, that's not the case here with the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like there in, in other verses, it says that God searches the hearts of man. God knows what's in your heart. We know that. But it, it's, a, it's a penetrating. It's a, it, it pierces through. It's going down and deep and probing the heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, again, you know what you're thinking down at the, you know, the very deepest of your core. You know your thoughts. You know your feelings. The same way with the Holy Spirit. And that's, this, is, this is word of, you know, just proving the deity of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit knows the very heart of God. The very, at the very deepest, he knows the heart of God. Um, so then, so here we have, again, we have this spirit of wisdom. And man, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you begin to describe that, the spirit of wisdom? How do you begin to describe the wisdom, the wisdom of God? Like, how, how do you begin? Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big issue. You know, here we are, again, we're men, you know, and, and as I mentioned here about the, you know, God being um, inscrutable, it's like, how, how do you begin to, to start describing these things? Well, what does Paul point to in this section? Um, does he point to creation, which that does show the wisdom of God? I mean, you think of a blade of grass, you can't recreate that, you know? It, it, this is, it, you know, God's wisdom through creation is just incredible. But in this section, actually, in, in the previous chapter, um, in chapter 1, Verse 30, he says, But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. And here he gives three things that describe the wisdom of God. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You want to know the wisdom of God? Salvation. <laughs> I mean, really, think about that. Here is the wisdom of God, salvation. You know, God sending his son on the cross to die for us, for our sins, that we might come to know him. I mean, you can, you can unpack that for all eternity, and we will be unpacking that for all eternity. So the wisdom of God, the, the, the real sign, the real um, how, how God showed his wisdom is through salvation. Um, and so you have there, you know, you know Ro Charles is here, you know, he's going through Romans, and after all these chapters and talking about the gospel, and he mentioned this here this recently, you know, what, is, what does Paul say? He says, oh, oh, the depth of the riches, this, this rich, this richness here. What is this richness? Both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. You, you can never find it. You, you'll never, like, truly grasp it. It's unsearchable. 
are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. You, you cannot fathom, you cannot begin to fathom his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor, or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forevermore. Amen. Again, you know, words can't begin to describe God and his wisdom. You know, all that you can do, again, is just to say, oh, oh, yes. I mean, it, you, you describe more instead of the words from your mouth, but the words of your heart describes God more. I mean, because you, you, can't, you can't encapsulate who God is. You know, you, you just stand at awe at who God is. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. And my song shall one day, just sing it just one day, ever be? No, ever be. You know, we'll be singing that forever. Uh, oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. That's going to be our song throughout eternity. Uh, just singing that. Just, you know, again, understanding that, grasping just the glory of God's wisdom and salvation just throughout eternity. The, the infinite wisdom that God has. Um, I, I just, just trying to think of an illustration with this, you know, tr- you know, trying to describe who God is, you know, trying to, uh, you know, attempt with our words to get to this point of, of who God is. And I was thinking, I, I was reminded, reminded whenever, um, you know, growing up, I, I had three brothers and we would go outside a lot and we'd throw the baseball around, um, you know, just that, you know, did that just about every day. And so we would go out there, and sometimes if it's just me or, you know, any of us really, we would go out and we would throw it way up high in the sky. You know, we'd throw it up as high as we can. Um, and sometimes, like I confess, you know, the foolishness of it, you know, sometimes you see this, this jet flying by in the air, you know, way up high in the sky. And you're like, watch this, you know, and you, you throw it, you throw it up, you know. And it's like, you know, you, you think, oh, I wonder if they saw me. You know, I wonder if they saw me throw this baseball. You know, I wonder if they see that baseball. You know, you, you picture the pilot driving. It's like, whoa, there's a, there's a baseball, you know. <laughs> you know, and it's like the Bible, just, you know, the, the pilot just doesn't even know. You know it, it doesn't even get close to really where he's at. You know, he has absolutely no clue that you even attempted to throw a baseball at him. Uh, and, and so that's, that's how we are with God sometimes. You know, it's like you, you go in your words, you know, you, you try to describe who he is, but it, it falls way short. Um, but that's okay, you know. God still, you know, desires us to try to explain him. And, you know, and he's obviously very sympathetic towards us in that. Um, and so finally here it says, so that we may, what? So that we may know. So why did he give us the spirit? Uh, why did he give us the Holy Spirit? Why did he give us the spirit of wisdom? You know, so that we may know. So that we may know the things freely given to us. This gift, this gift of knowledge, you know, not only again did, did God open our eyes through the Spirit to first di- to discover him and to, to discover our state before him, but it's like he continually does that. He gives us the Spirit. You know, like there again, as I read previously there, um, you know, the very words of Jesus there in John 16, but when he, the Spirit of what? The Spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth, right? So there's truth, there's knowledge there. Um, and so, again, God has given us this spirit of truth. Uh, 
again, to, to know, to know, to know what? Not just things, but ultimately to know him, to get to know him a little bit more. Is that, is that the cry of your heart? Is that what you really want? You know, you, we, we sing that song, you know, to know him, to know him is the cry of my heart. Spirit, reveal him to me. To hear what he's saying is what? Life. It's life to my bones. To know him, to know him alone. And so he's given us the spirit so that we may know the things, what? Freely. Freely given to us. Not hesitantly or begrudgingly. But God has given us the Holy Spirit to know him more. And to, you know, to, know, you know, to know these things freely given to us. Um, you have there in verse 9, it says, But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. And you think about that. Things which eye has not seen. You know, God has prepared things for you that you have never seen before, that you've never heard of before, that you can't even begin to grasp in your, in your heart. You can't even begin to grasp the things that God has prepared for you, the things that God has already done for you. And as God unfolds these things that God has actually done for you, you, you haven't even begun to understand these things. So, so in conclusion here, why, you know, why is this important for us? You know why? Okay, so you know, yes, God gave us this spirit, uh, the spirit of wisdom. But why? Why is that important? I mean, it's it's very important. You know, are you right now? Are you discouraged in anything? Are you discouraged in sin? You know, is this wisdom of the world entangling you right now? You know, in your Christian life, are you plateaued right now? You're not moving very well right now. You know, God can give you more of His Holy Spirit to lead you through wherever you are at right now in life. Um, there, here in, um, in Luke, uh, chapter 11, you know, it's, it's, you know, we, we quote this frequently here in verse nine, it says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's it. Ask. Ask. You know, it, it, it's, it's actually, it reminds me here also of, you know, there at the end of this chapter here, it says, you know, the very last section, and I love this, it says, but what? But we have the mind of Christ. You know, what does that mean? We have the mind of Christ. I, I don't know if, if this is exactly what it means, um, but here in chapter 6, you know, Paul, you know, he, he's talking about immorality, you know, and he's talking about, you know, you know, prostitution and, you know, a man joining himself with a prostitute. And he goes on and he says, the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her. For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. 
So, I, you know, kind of going through it, it, it was a sticking out to me. And I, 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 I don't know if this is exactly what Paul is saying here, but, it, but it's true. Listen, you know, especially you, know, you married couples, you, kind of, you might understand this a little bit more. You know, like with my wife, I have her mind, it, you know, partially. Why? Because she reveals it to me. She, she tells me what she's thinking. Why does, she, why does she tell me what she's thinking? She loves me. You know, we have the mind of Christ. God, you know, Christ has given his mind, his thoughts to us because he loves us. And that's big. We, can, we have the mind of Christ and God has given us his Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. 